Hello, and welcome to the Biotech 2050 podcast. Biotech 2050 is a think tank chronicling the disruptions changing the biotech industry over the next several decades. Check out our website at biotech2050.com. I'm Rahul Chaturvedi, one of the founders of Biotech 2050 and today's host. I'm also the founder and CEO of Clora. Clora is a platform that is solving the talent crisis across the life sciences industry, providing access to the world's best expertise. I'm very excited to welcome Michel Dutois, co-founder, president, and CEO of ITOS Therapeutics. Thanks for joining us today, Michel. Thank you, Raoul. Good morning, everyone. My pleasure to be here with you. Excellent. So, Michel, to start off, we'd love to learn about the arc of your career and how you got to where you are today. Yes, certainly. As you can hear, I'm coming from Europe. I'm graduated in Belgium as a bioengineer, and then I did a PhD in entomology and molecular biology. And directly after my PhD, I decided to apply my skills in drug discovery. And I joined one of the first biotech in Belgium. I started as a research scientist, became rapidly head of target identification, and led a team which identified a series of new targets for drug discovery programs. After a few years of this research work, I decided to join the BD team to bridge science with business. And this is one of the leading I would say, dynamics in my career so far. In 2006, I started to collaborate with Ludwig Cancer Research, one of the leading research institutes in cancer, based in the U.S. And in 2010, they asked me if I would be ready to start a new company from scratch with a focus on tumor immunology and cancer therapies, and ITOs was born. Then I started this company with $3 million of capital, and rapidly move into three different programs and build a company today with 100 people, which is based in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and in Belgium. Great. Thanks, Michelle. I'm curious to hear your perspective on perhaps the commonalities between the European or more specifically Belgian biotech ecosystem and what you've been observing in Boston, and also what are the main differences? Yeah, then first... What I really like is to get the best of both worlds. Then this is something I'm working very hard with my team to be sure that we leverage all the skills that we have in Belgium and in Massachusetts. This is two different worlds, I would say. When I started ITOS with 3 million in 2012, it was, I would say, a decent size for around a. Whereas in Boston, it's probably 10 to 24 higher to start. Situation has evolved. I know in Belgium, you can have around a between 15 to 30 million, like in Europe. Then situation is, uh, I would say, positively evolved. What we can find in Belgium and Europe is excellent science, but with people having an academic mindset that will learn the drug discovery and will grow with the company. Whereas in US, I've been able to attract in the team very experienced people with a background in pharma and biotech who helped me to shape the company and build its future. What I observe also is a difference is that I have some of my collaborators which have been with ITOs for five years and plus. Whereas in Boston, as you mentioned, Raoul, it's a very competitive landscape where you can easily lose expertise of your team when people are moving from a company to another one. Then the big challenge for a company like ITOs is to be able to attract the talents, to retain this talent and to develop them. And I love to say to my team and every new employee that I want to attract them to see them growing with ITOs in the future. 
Great. And so now before we get into the important work that you're doing at ITOs, would love to start off with perhaps a primer around the immunotherapy space, what opportunities and challenges you are seeing, and then how that led to founding ITOs. Yes. Cancer immunotherapy is fascinating. It started more than 100 years ago at the end of the 19th century in UK when Cooley, a doctor, started to inject bacteria to patients having this one type of cancer. And he saw that inflammation was improving the status of some of these patients. But it took until 2011 to get the first approval of a cancer immunotherapy. It was a dendritic cell vaccine by Dendreon. That was not a success in terms of commercialization, but that was at least the proof of concept that you can get an approval of cancer immunotherapy. Why cancer immunotherapy is so attractive in a concept is that, in fact, if you're able to educate the immune system to recognize and attack the tumor cells, you are going to get a significant benefit on the tumor, not only at the time of the disease, but also later on, if the disease is coming back or is evolving, the adaptation of the immune system will allow to control the tumor. Then it's a big opportunity compared to other cancer modalities or anti-cancer modalities where you have this plasticity of the immune system. In 2011 and 2012, two major breakthroughs came with the approval of uh, Yavol, the anti-CLF4 antibody by BMS, and then the anti-PD1 antibodies by Merck and BMS, and it has been a revolution. We have today these PD-1 antibodies, which are standard of care in multiple indications, and this is really a breakthrough in terms of treating cancer. However, we still have between 20 to 40% of these patients being responsive, and many of them will continue to progress after a given amount of time. Then we have opened a bridge into this tumor immunology, but we still have a significant improvement to perform in order to understand how the immune system is blocked by the tumor micronomen and what we can improve. And this is a mission that ITOS has started years ago by developing programs that will target specific mechanisms of immunosuppression, the way that the tumor cells are able to block the immune system in order to improve the application of the standard of care, not only the PD-1, but also other standard of care and get a better outcome for people living with cancer. Great. Thanks, Michelle. And let's talk a little bit about the founding story. And you mentioned you raised an initial seed round. What was that process like in terms of putting together a team? How did you initially think about raising financing? And really, you know, how was that first seed round different than all subsequent rounds that you've raised since then? And indeed, it has been more difficult to raise the three first million in 2012 compared to the 330 million that we raised last year. And the starting point was interesting because I was associated to the Ludwig Cancer Research. And again, this is one of the very well-known institutes in the US. The Ludwig has invested more than $2 billion in cancer research since the 70s. And they were one of the pioneers in tumor immunology, the first one to identify a specific uh, tumor antigens in human cancer patients, then there was, I would say, a legacy in tumor immunology. But in, during decades, the Ludwig has tried to promote uh, the 
research or the discoveries by entering into license with big pharma or even bio. And they've been, I would say, frustrated to see that many of these licenses die due to change of priorities or change of strategy or MA with their partners. And then when I started to discuss with the Ludwig, they told me, look, we would like to bet on a specific company that will take our asset and move our asset with a top priority to our patients because the mission of the Ludwig is to bring the science to patients. And then we agreed to co-found ITOs and move forward into a company that will live, eat, sleep with the priority to bring this science to patients. And ITOs was born. My challenge was that at the beginning, beyond the expertise of the Ludwig and the expertise of the co-founder, the scientific co-founder, Benoit van den Ede, with the head of the Ludwig branch in Brussels, there was no IP. There was no, I would say, a starting point to attract investors. And Ludwig was ready to fund the 3 million to start with. I was also supported by public grants in Belgium. I was able to secure 6 million non-dilutive grants with the condition to get 3 million of private capital. The Ludwig was ready to put this 3 million for technical reasons it was important to get more than one investor. Then I started to look for business angels and a biotech fund in Europe with the caveat that there was no IP. And I was able to convince these people to invest into ITOs based on the quality of the science and the reputation of the group. And then we started in April 2012. And two years after, we signed a deal with Pfizer for our first program that was an IDO1 inhibitor at the time where IDO1 was one of the most exciting targets in cancer immunotherapies. And we entered into this odd licensing deal with Pfizer. That was a transformative deal for ITOs because I was able to grow the company from a six people a company local in Belgium to a 40 people company. That was already a move. And more importantly, ITOs came visible by moving to a league where we were able to do this licensing deal with Pfizer, the number one pharma in the world at that time. That's very exciting in terms of all the progress you've made from the humble beginnings of a $3 million seed round. You're one of the few biotechs in Boston that has a team across two continents. Would love to hear your thoughts on what that's been like pre-pandemic and then also you know, what's potentially changed or gotten better since in terms of managing a team across two continents uh, as a result of the pandemic. Yes, indeed. Then one of my biggest challenges before the, pandi- the, the pandemic was to combine the two sides. We have all the bench activities in Belgium. And in fact, in the story of ITOs, after the Pfizer deal, we grew up the company, we built the current pipeline. I will come back to this pipeline. And at the end of 2017, Pfizer reverted our IDO1 program for strategic reasons. And I always claim that it could be a catalyst for ITOs if there was a reversion. And indeed it was, because at the beginning of 2018, I was in a situation where I got three term sheet, two term sheet from a US-based investor or Boston-based investor, and one term sheet from a big pharma to license our second program, A to a receptor antagonist, which is a best-in-class program in the field. 
And I decided to move forward with MPM, one of the leading VC in Boston. And one of the conditions of MPM was my move to US in order to expand the company and attract the expertise to develop the company as an integrated biotech company. Then it was, I would say, a surprise. When MPM came for due diligence, the second question was, are you ready to move to Boston? I said, yes. I went back home in the evening and I told my wife, are you ready to move to <laughs> When I say, are you ready to move to US? She said, where? I said, Boston. She said, yes. And well, hopefully, we came in Boston a few months after. My first step in Boston was to build my network and attract also, I would say, expertise that would be complementary to the scientific expertise in Belgium. Then uh, MPM offered me David Alal as a chairman, which has been a wonderful collaboration since uh, 2018. Scott Chappell is the CSO also, with a strong expertise in drug discovery and drug development. Then it helped me to combine the quality of the science, academic type science in Belgium, with a very strong uh, drug expertise development in Boston. And it has been a challenge having a CSO in Boston and the 45 research scientists in Belgium. COVID situation helped because it put everyone at the same level. Everyone suddenly was forced to be in front of his computer in video conference. And I would say that it facilitated the situation because everyone was at the same level. It was not anymore 10 people in a room in Belgium with two people in the video conference uh, in Boston. Even if it was impossible to travel, and usually before the pandemic, I was spending one week every six weeks in Belgium. I was unable to travel for one year and a half. It started again this summer. I feel that the pandemic was an opportunity. It has been also an opportunity for us uh, because we've been able to make an IPO in three months. Then I continue to combine the quality of the science, a very stable team, a dedicated to ITOs and with a strong willingness to grow with ITOs and to show that ITOs can be a success story and combining the best of both worlds. And Michelle, you took the company public recently and you've had great success raising on both the private and public markets as well. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on the overall life sciences funding landscape, both on the private and public markets and what you're excited about and what folks should be perhaps wary of. Yes, then, well, I believe that biotech has been one of the safe haven in the pandemic period. And it's interesting because in March last year, I remember very well that my investor, my board was really concerned about the risk of a pandemic shutting down everything. And Finally, what happened is that, well, first, in terms of ITOs, ITOs moved forward after the round in 2018 with two clinical stage programs. At that stage, it was still preclinical. Either one was stopped because in second quarter 18, Insight, that was the most advanced company in the field, published negative data in a pivotal phase three melanoma. And it has been, I would say, a drama for cancer therapies. Everyone wondered if PD-1 would be a unique situation. After PD-1 success, there has been more than 2,000 clinical trials combining PD-1 with something else. And either one was supposed to be the next thing in cancer therapy. After failing, everyone was wondering if cancer therapy would just be 
an accident with PD-1 and it would not be reproduced, and it was a big challenge there. We have developed, we have continued to build our pipeline. As I said, we have a best-in-class small molecule, which is an a 2 receptor antagonist, which has been discovered within ITOS. We have also a digital antibody. We are modality agnostic. We have been able to develop the expertise targeting both small molecules and antibodies. And in fact, when I started the company, I decided that the company will start with three pillars. The first pillar being expertise in tumor immunology. The second one being pharmacology, both in vitro and vivo. And the third one being transitional medicine. We have added medicinal chemistry and no clinical expertise, obviously, plus all the expertise to be a clinical stage company being public. But the pillars of the research are these ones and can be applied both to small molecules and antibodies. We move forward with A2A in clinics in 2019, got the exciting data in the phase one with facial response in difficult patients. We move forward with TGIT antibody program in the clinics in 2020. have been successful to complete the phase one despite the pandemic, faster than initially expected. And at the end of 2019, my board asked me to look for an extension of the round. And they told me, start looking for 25 minutes. You must be, I would say, very efficient in execution when you lead a biotech company. You must be also a little bit lucky. And at the end of 2019, a rumor started to spread that Genentech is positive reader into a randomized phase two clinical trial with its digit program. And this rumor was the first time then a randomized phase two was positive for another cancer therapy after PD-1 in early 2010 in solid tumor. Then there was a huge attraction suddenly on companies active on TIGIT, and there were six to eight companies, including ITOS. What is also very important is that ITOS has invested massively to build a very strong preclinical pipeline and show that our TIGIT could be the best-in-class TIGIT and is differentiated from Genentech and Merck. Then early 2020, finally, this 25 million extension of the round B became a 125 million crossover round, attracting some of the big names like Are Capital, Boxer, Genus, Invus, RTW, plus existing investors into this new round. And it has been a recognition of the quality of the science that we have developed. And I would say that most of the investors were really, I would say, focused on digit. But I believe that for a biotech company, it's important to be a company with several assets and not a single trick pony. When I do one fail in 2018, the fact that we have A2A and TIGIT help us to secure the wrong B with MPM and move forward. And again, in 2020, in 2029, people were more focused on A2A. And suddenly at the end of 2029, it was flipped toward TIGIT. Then having a portfolio with several programs, it's important. And then we did a crossover of 125 million at the end of March. There was some kind of panic about the pandemic. Are you going to be stuck and you will be unable to complete this uh, crossover? It was not the case. One month after, I told the board, look, the market is wide open. Let's go for the IPO. And we did an IPO in three months. I did the IPO from my bedroom at that time. I did not travel at all. We completed the IPO in three months. And we were listed at the end of July. And as I said, it was easier to raise 300 million in 2020 than 3 million in 2012. And the IPO was oversubscribed 24. 
some uh, inspiring words for budding entrepreneurs that are listening that raising 300 million is easier than raising 3 million in the early days. <laughs> and, and, and I think that's generally true. Yeah. Strong science and strong execution. Yes, it's easier. Yeah, great. Well, Michelle, to wrap up, given all that you have experienced over the last several years, would love to ask you, you know, what is one piece of advice that you would provide your younger self knowing what you now know? Dream big. Don't be shy to move forward. Dream big. In June this year, we have signed one of the biggest, if not the biggest deal ever for phase one asset in oncology. It's co-commercialization partnership with GSK. We have received 625 million upfront. That was at the time of the deal, our market cap. Dream big, dream big, and dream also about helping people living with disease like cancer. Then don't be shy, move forward, and try to accomplish what you believe will be important. Excellent. On those inspiring words, Michelle, thank you so much for joining us today and for sharing all the exciting work that you and your colleagues are pursuing at ITOs. My pleasure, Raoul. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Biotech 2050. This episode is hosted by me, Rahul Chaturvedi. It's edited and mixed by Megan Lovering. If you enjoyed this episode of Biotech 2050, please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. Also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at biotech2050pod. Again, that's biotech2050pod. Until next time.